Welcome to the Informed Pregnancy and Parenting Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Elliot Berlin. My guest this episode is a mother of three, and each of her birth experiences could really be a standalone episode. She could literally write the guide to modes of delivery after personally experiencing vaginal birth, cesarean birth, and vaginal breech birth after cesarean. She graciously accepted my invitation to share her experiences on the Informed Pregnancy Podcast in hopes that she may help other women become aware that there are options when faced with out-of-the-box pregnancy and delivery choices. Lillian Kohanzad, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Happy to be here. I'm excited that you're here. You're a very warm, interesting, unique person. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, you had... make it easy. <laughs> oh, thanks. And you've had really interesting birth experiences. So let's go back to the first one when yeah. you were prego the first time. Did you have thoughts about birth early on? Um, I had the thought to avoid all thoughts about birth, so I just <laughs> <laughs> didn't think about it too much. I was scared of the actual birth process, so I avoided thinking about it. I avoided taking classes on it, which is not – I don't advise this, but – What was your approach? That was my approach. Were you deliberately wanting to have babies at that time? Yes. We had gotten married. I – Basically had one period and then we got pregnant. Oh, so you did not waste a lot of time. We did not waste <laughs> any time. Okay. Um, but and you were not opposed to getting pregnant. You just were opposed to figuring out how to get it out of you. Yeah, I was a little scared of that part. But I figured, you know, I would look around in like crowded places and see all these people and I'd think, okay, they came from somewhere. I, it'll be fine. I'll... That's pretty awesome. Yeah. So, and I figured I could do anything for one day. So that was my <laughs> my basic approach to I the, wish I had that approach to things. Labor. I don't. I, that's already confidence. Well, I guess. It kind of went that way. I mean, I really didn't have any control over it once it actually happened. Did so. you never get to the point where you were doing research on? No. No. So you just no. thought I w you had a doctor at a hospital. I had a doctor at a hospital. And you just thought when the time comes. I'm going to go there. And just I'm tell me what to do. do and what I'll the do doctor it. says. Okay. And I took kind of the opposite approach of like, you know, the natural way. I was like, the, my first thing was like, just get me an epidural and I'll take it from there. Sure. Why not? So that was my entire birth plan. I think I that's had. for most people the approach. Like uh, the local hospital here, when they do the birth tour, they mm -hmm. are very pleased and proud to say that 93% of women. Who give oh, birth wow. or have an epidural. Oh, wow. Okay. So I think you're in the overwhelming the mainstream. Yeah. yeah. It didn't go quite as planned, but. Yeah. So when did things start to take a turn? <laughs> um, at 30 weeks pregnant, I started experiencing what I know now to be contractions. So went into the hospital and they were able to stop those contractions, but they were contractions. At that point, they put me on kind of a modified bed rest. And at 33 weeks, my water broke in the middle of the night. It was like, I think, 3, 3 or 4 in the morning. And that was it. Was Whoa, that's a lot. 33 weeks is pretty early. And yeah, also, really at the 30 weeks when you felt contractions, mm -hmm. did they like check your cervix to see what was going on? They did. And my cervix, if I remember correctly, it was slightly dilated. I don't remember the exact amount. But I was in the hospital for a few days. They gave me the steroids for the baby's lung development, and um, they gave me a few different medications to kind of stop the... Slow everything down. Yeah. Indocin, I think it was called, to slow everything down, which they were able to do. And they released me after about three nights in the hospital. And then three more weeks go by, and then Three boom. more weeks go by, and boom. Was there any question in your mind that that was your water? Did you think maybe I just... 
Yeah. Drank I, too much or? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had gone. Actually, because I was on this modified bed rest, so I'd been at home. I went out to dinner with uh, our family, said goodbye to everyone around 10 o'clock, went home, went to bed, and woke up, thought I just kind of had maybe gone to the bathroom or, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't like this gush. It was just like a pee. A little moisture. Yeah. And then how did you find out otherwise? So I went to the bathroom and it, I couldn't stop it. You know how like a, a urine flow you can stop? Yeah. This I couldn't no stop. No control over it. It kept going. So I, I told my husband, I said, can you Google peeing without <laughs> able to stop? <laughs> Uncontrollable <laughs> Yeah. Peeing. And he's like, I think it's your water. So. Was that scary to you at 33 weeks? Yeah, I mean... I'm a little scared for you. It's scarier <laughs> looking back because it was my first baby. I really didn't know what to expect. Because you didn't do any homework. Because you didn't want I, to. <laughs> I didn't do any homework. I didn't know what to expect. You know, I didn't know what it was to even have a baby or didn't know what it was to have a premature baby, mm-hmm. um, a baby in the NICU. I didn't know what any of these things meant at the time. So was I scared? Yeah, but if I had known those things, I would have been much more scared. Much more nervous. Yeah. So when you figured out it's probably your water, you go straight to the hospital? Yes. I started kind of running around like, oh, I'm going to go get my bag together, blah, blah, blah. And then my first contraction hit and it was really strong and there was blood. So I got scared. We got in the car. My husband got us to the hospital in about six minutes. Oh, wow. And um, she was born very quickly after that. Very quickly after you went to the hospital? Yes. I mean, I know it's probably a little blurry chaos in retrospect, but from the time you got there, Mm -hmm. did they take you to triage? Were they panicky because you were early? Was the blood a concern? Um, They were not so panicky. They knew that she was coming. Like They said, this isn't like last time when you had the contractions and we were able to stop them. She's on her way. She's coming today now. Mm -hmm. I was in a lot of pain. I think in one of contraction pain. Contraction pain. Okay. In one of my first meetings with you, when I was trying to flip my third baby, you said those fast labors are kind of like a train going through you, mm. and that's the perfect way to explain it. It felt like a massive train was going through my body because it was just contraction on top of contraction. I was throwing up the entire time. Oh wow! And it was it was really intense, and then. I finally got the epidural that I always wanted. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one that thing I knew. my dreams. Yeah. Um, but you must have been far along already. Cent- yeah. Oh, you were already yeah, 10 centimeters. Yeah, I was centimeters. like pretty much ready to. Did you know you were 10 centimeters when you got the epidural or there's. I knew I was close, but again, it was my first birth. I didn't know like if I was going to have to push for. Hours. Hours or mi- minutes or, you know. So I got the epidural. I was really scared because, of course, they're like, don't move a muscle or you will <laughs> right. never walk again. Paralyze you. <laughs> like, yeah. um, I'm throwing up out. <laughs> but it's it, hard to picture. Yeah. But it, it was fine. I got the epidural. I, they kicked my husband out at that point, And I almost made out with this, like, little Indian woman because I was so <laughs> happy to, like, have this <laughs> pain go away. Oh. She was my savior at that point. But he came back in, and I said, I have to go to the bathroom. And the nurse said, no, honey, that's that's your baby. Oh, you felt like you have to poo? Yeah. Yeah. And then the baby came out. How big was your baby? She was 3 pounds, 12 ounces. Wow. Yeah. That's also hard to imagine. Yeah. So not a lot of pushing then? 
No, I pushed maybe three times. Like, you know how you push three times in one? Oh, with it in one cycle. Yeah. Pushing? So I did that three times and out she came. Wow. So not so much. Did they take her away right away? They took her away. I did um, get to hold her for a brief moment and then they took her straight to NICU. And still at that point, I was like kind of on this high, like, oh, we just had a baby and she's, <laughs> it's fine, you know? I had no idea everything that was to come still with that. Yeah, so what did come? Well, they took her to the NICU, and thank God she was fine. She was uh, what they call like a grower and a feeder. Mm -hmm. Um, So she really just needed to stay there to grow, to feed. But she was, you know, the breastfeeding class I took, like, was out the window because she was on a feeding tube. Um, She stayed in NICU for 29 days. Oh, wow. That's intense. Yeah. so. So were you pumping milk for her? I was, yeah. And they would feed her your milk together with They would feed her my milk um, initially, and then when I wasn't, like, making enough to keep up with her demand, I guess, they asked if we could go to formula. And at that time, it was my first baby. The only class I'd taken was a breastfeeding class Mm -hmm. where they said that, like, 99.9% of women can breastfeed. So I was like, I can do this. (laughs) I'm going to do this. Um, You couldn't do both? Yes, but I was terrified of formula at first because, oh. you know, I don't know. I just, I word, was in that camp. on the street? Yeah, like three kids in. I'm like, he's on formula and it's fine. It's great, <laughs> yeah. but Everything's different with the first. Yes, like, Now definitely. I'm just like, here's the outlet if you want to stick your finger in exactly. there. Exactly. You'll, like, yeah, you'll learn the hard the way. There's the street. You'll see the cars. <laughs> yeah, that's right. If you can't stop, that's your problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Enjoy yeah. the mud. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, let's take a little break. When we come back, we'll talk about your second out of three interesting journeys. Hey, everyone, it's Dr. Berlin, and I want to talk to you about something that is close to my heart, literally, omega-3. It's a crucial nutrient that's sadly overlooked. With 95% of women deficient, Needed, the supplement brand I trust, created their brand new Omega-3 Soft Gels. Designed by perinatal experts, they support you and your baby's well-being from fertility to pregnancy and beyond. Unlike other brands, Needed's Omega-3 is sustainable, pesticide-free, and third-party tested for purity. Plus, my favorite, it has a milder taste and smell, perfect for sensitive mamas. Don't wait. Visit thisisneeded.com and use code BERLIN to get 20% off your initial order. Experience the needed difference, consciously crafted for your health and the planet. Welcome back to the Informed Pregnancy Podcast. And we're going to jump right into baby number two with Lillian Coenzad. So after 29 days, baby came home and everything was cool? Yeah, everything was great. And she's been growing like a weed ever since. So Growing like a weed, awesome. Yeah, it's been great. (laughs) Such a Southern California baby. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) she's four now, so. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, so the other ones came fast. So how old was she when you found out you were having another? I don't remember how old she was when I found out, but she was two years and four months when my other when one was born. Was born? Yeah. Oh, okay. I actually had two miscarriages between them. Oh, so. my, I'm sorry. No, it's okay. It happens. And How far along were you for the miscarriages? They were early. They were like early, like, like seven, seven, eight years? weeks, something like that, yeah. Still not the easiest so, thing. Not the easiest, but I've realized that pregnancy and becoming a mom, 
breastfeeding, like all of it is not the easiest not thing. Not easy. <laughs> Everybody has a story. No, I say it all the time. You guys are like crazy superheroes. It's I just, wild. I get to sometimes do. just be involved and watch in a way. I think that dudes don't usually really yeah. get involved and watch it. I'm just in awe every day. Totally. It's incredible. So with those miscarriages, were you actively like, let's have another one now? Or just you yeah. found like, Um, We were so in love with our baby, and I was like, let's have another one pretty early on. So she was eight months when I got pregnant with the first miscarriage, Mm -hmm. and I think slightly over a year when I got pregnant with the second miscarriage. Did those make you nervous? They did. too. Yes, and um, thankfully my husband was like, let's go see somebody about this. So we went and sought out a fertility expert. And he ran all these tests and eventually found out that everything was fine, but I did have a bicornate uterus. Oh. So. So it's kind of like cornate is horns. So mm-hmm. like the top of your uterus was split into sort of two. Yeah. He explained it kind of like your uterus, instead of being the normal shape, is like a heart shape. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. The cartoon heart. Yes. So that there's two lobes at yes. the top. And sometimes that little middle part, when the embryo sticks onto there looking for lunch until there's a... Mm-hmm. Placenta defeated, there's not really that much blood flow in that area. And so they sometimes, I guess, detach and yeah. don't thrive. Exactly. So did they do something? To, did they get rid of the septum? They did. Yeah. He um, went in. It was like a pretty quick outpatient procedure where he did uh, something. I was, something. I was, you were sleeping. Yeah, I was out of it. Counting sheep. Yeah, exactly. But just another example of like things women do. Right. Just, to have babies. Yeah, know. just another day in the life. <laughs> of a woman. But it was good that we found that out. And then the next time we got pregnant, very shortly after that, I think, I went for my two-week checkup after that. And we were actually going to do the IVF because we thought, well, okay, this isn't working naturally. But after that... We tried naturally, and it, and it did work. So Boom. Yeah. Thank God. You know, getting pregnant doesn't seem to really be your thing. Like no. A, a challenge for you. Right. It's just right. Uh, those middle two are hard to keep in there. Yeah. So I also imagine, even though you had the procedure that was a little nerve-wracking for the first trimester or so? like Definitely. I think there's kind of a hesitation to bond with the baby in any way or, like, really think about it too much until you're past just a certain a point. protection mechanism. Don't get too attached. Don't get too close. Yeah. Um, just in case. You know, I don't remember exactly now, and I think it's probably just, like, my littlest is six weeks and I'm in a haze. But, <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> but I remember being really sad about the first miscarriage. And thinking like, oh, I suck as a mom and I suck as everything because I wasn't being like an amazing mom at that moment because I was just really, really sad. Oh, to your oldest. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's just something that unfortunately women go through and it's not talked about enough, which is why I'm bringing it up. I didn't have to bring that up, but I think it's important that we kind of normalize it because it is so normal to have a miscarriage and yet... It's like all these emotions that you have to carry with you through your day, whether it's back to work or caring for your child. So anyway, I think it's important. Glad you shared it. I agree that that it's under talked about and so many people experience it and feel alone. Definitely. But also makes me really sad. Like this happens once in a while on the podcast where tears welling up in my eyes because you're such a cheerful person (laughs) in general. And then to picture you being so sad that you feel like a bad mom. Yeah. Is just really sad to think about. It is. But I think it's a universal feeling for moms. I think when we go through things, 
that's like the first thing you think is like, I, I need to be there for my child, you know, I need to get this together so that they can be okay. And I can see now, like looking back on this, you know, however many years later, that it's okay to take that time to be sad. And like, you don't have to be superwoman mom 24 seven, because it's important to. That's very powerful. I think you still are superwoman. Mom, <laughs> Thank and you. Even at that time. And sometimes, especially at that time, yeah. just having the power to give yourself some self-care and some, some self-time. Space. It's yeah. strength that brings you Definitely. to do that for yourself and for everyone who depends on you. Yeah. So. yeah. Um, second pregnancy, though you did make it. This we one. made it. Yeah, a little embryo that could. <laughs> a little embryo that could. So at some point you start thinking about your previous birth experience and does it change how you act in this pregnancy, how you oh, yeah. plan for birth the second time around? I would like to say that it changed how I planned for birth, but I was still terrified of birth. And, and my birth experience the first time, I didn't say this, but my entire labor and birth was probably like two hours. Wow. So I didn't plan a whole lot for labor, but I changed how I was in the pregnancy. Like the first time around, I was still working like a mad person and like really not taking great care of my body. The second pregnancy, I really slowed down. And I think just being a mom also helped me to realize that it's important to slow down and you have to slow down when you have a toddler because they take like 700 years to put on a sock. (laughs) So like... (laughs) You know, in some ways, life was more harried at that point, but in some ways, I learned to kind of slow down. My first pregnancy, we went to Italy. I was like trains, planes, and automobiles and mm-hmm. being cra- I, I didn't like leave the city of home, you know, the second pregnancy. <laughs> I was just impressed that you even found the sock. I know. Right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so you were slow, but you took a slower approach. But... I took a slower approach. And then at 20 weeks, I went into my 20 week ultrasound. And the doctor, who at this point I went to a high-risk doctor, mm-hmm. not just like a typical OB. I had my OB, but I also had a maternal fetal medicine doctor on my case, thank God, because he found at the 20-week ultrasound that, again, my cervix was wanting to dilate. And he sent me pretty quickly in to get an, a cerclage, which is, I'm sure you can explain it better than me, but it's a stitch so that your cervix physically cannot dilate. Holding it Holding closed. it. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. What was it like to have it done? Because it sounds awful, but maybe it's not. <laughs> it's not that bad. You go into the hospital. It's an outpatient procedure. They do give you a spinal or an epidural, and they go into the operating room. Just FYI, we have a whole episode on... Cerclage. The difference, no, between epidurals and spinals. and Okay, and I have to listen to that because I still <laughs> I have three kids in and, and several of these, and I have no idea mm, what Dr. I Dr. Mark Zukowski, <laughs> he's the head of uh, anesthesia at a local hospital for labor and delivery, and he talks about all those different options. I also was kind of confused, and then mm-hmm. at the end, I really learned a lot. So getting back to you, somehow they numbed you, basically, from somehow your they back numbed down. Yep. And so you didn't feel what was going on? Nope, didn't feel it, and then... Um, once they but were just done, another it took crazy thing mothers do. <laughs> another crazy thing moms do. Um, yeah, it, it was probably about, I don't know, I'd say like 20 minutes in the operating room mm-hmm. from start to finish. And then you go back and just have to make sure that you can pee and then everything's working properly and you can walk and then you get to go home. Another day on the job. Just another day <laughs> on the job, yeah. The hope was that that would help to keep the baby in mm-hmm. farther than the 33 weeks and certainly farther than the 20 weeks that I was at that moment. 
Okay, so when you have an MFM, they usually keep monitoring you a little more intensely than a typical pregnancy? Yes, yes. And so, how did your monitoring go in the coming weeks? Um, it was fine. Everything was looking good. I would go in, you know, I think at the beginning it was like every couple weeks. I think the whole pregnancy was every couple weeks. And everything looked good. And this time she was breech. Okay, one question that pops in my head. Do you feel your seclash after the anesthesia wears off? No, I didn't. There's no awareness of no. it. Okay. Oh, but something terrible that happens with cerclage is that you're not allowed to have any sex. Oh. <laughs> and it's it's tough. I mean, from like, you know, 20 weeks to six weeks after birth. Um, would you be nervous anyway? Yeah, but th- I mean, yeah, I would. So, I would have been. Yeah. But now you can't. You can't because there's risk of infection. You can't. They put you on what's called pelvic rest, so no exercise, no sex, no baths, you know, anything that oh, can wow. cause infection. So a lot of stuff. Yeah. But mm. it's worth it. That's what moms do. Yeah. I see a theme coming up. <laughs> I know, here. right? <laughs> yeah. Um, it must be harder in the relationship then, too. Yeah. I mean, thankfully, my husband is so, you know, we're, we're a team. He's pretty like, cool. We're in it to win it. So, yeah. yeah, we're in it for the long haul, and he's really cool. He actually gave me my progesterone shots, which was another part yeah. of my beautiful pregnancy. <laughs> um, again, in an effort to just help sustain the pregnancy? Yes. So, um, How long did you have to do those for? From 16 weeks to 36 weeks, oh, I wow. believe. Yeah. Once and a week. They're, like, thick, the oil? Like, it's that goes pretty in your thick, bun? yeah. Yep, it goes in right in your bum. Oh, wow. And it's a lot of fun. Fun times. Fun bum. Yeah, it's once a week. It, the The hope again there is that it helps to keep the baby nice and tight inside. But then you found out the baby was breached around? Pretty early on, and she never moved. Did, like, Did you do things to try to encourage her to move? In this baby, I didn't. I was so terrified of her coming early, so I just was like, whatever... God, the universe wants, like, that's what I'm going to do. And I didn't try anything to flip her. Did they offer anything? They didn't. Okay. No, they didn't offer any sort of, like, what is that? ECV. Yeah, ECV. I just, they they offered a C-section, and I said, okay. That was pretty much it. At what week were they planning to do? They don't schedule C-section at this particular hospital till 39 weeks. So, obviously, if I could have made it to 39 weeks, it would have been amazing, but... But, what but at, I believe I was 35 and six days. Okay, that's further along. Mm-hmm. Yeah, further along. I started feeling funny. Like, we were getting ready for a party, and I told my husband, I feel weird. And he's like, what do you mean weird? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I don't know, I just feel weird. Kind of like last time. The first time when I had gone in at 30 weeks. Oh. So he said, well, let's pack a bag. We were on our way to this party. He said, let's pack a bag. The party's on the way to the hospital. So we'll stop by. And if you're still feeling weird, we'll just Just hop in the car and go to the hospital. And that's what happened. We went Mm. to the party. They were serving really good food, which I really was looking (laughs) forward to. So I was like, let's go. Let's eat. And then if we have to, we'll go to the hospital. And that's exactly what happened. So smart. I know, right? And then what happened when you got to the hospital? They said, yep. Uh, it's time to get this. Your cervix out. was changing already. I mean, yeah, my cervix. Even with the stitch. Even with the stitch, and the concern was that if you dilate far enough, you'll dilate through the stitch and tear your cervix. Really? So they need to get that stitch out before that happens. So you were awake for your cesarean, though. I was awake for my cesarean. Yeah. 
How was the experience of the cesarean birth for you? The actual experience of the cesarean birth was fairly easy. It's quick, you know. It was like another epidural spinal. Yeah, whatever. another hmm. epidural spinal. Except this time they're like cutting into seven layers of flesh and but you don't whatever. Feel it. But you don't feel it. No. So that part, the actual like birthing of her, was not bad. But it was the after why I sought you out for the third, mm-hmm. because my recovery was really, really hard compared to my vaginal birth. With my vaginal birth, it was like I had her and I was fine pretty much. With the cesarean birth, it was so painful. And having a toddler at home and a new baby to take care of, it wasn't good. (laughs) Painful at the incision? I don't know. I guess at the incision, painful all around. What happened was when I was having her, I started throwing up in the delivery room, kind of like when they were already halfway done stitching me. So like the last half of stitching, I was in that situation. Oh, wow. And then that continued for the entire day. So imagine, you know, you're getting all these layers cut in, your abs and everything, and then having to use those muscles again to throw up all day. (laughs) It's just, it makes for a really tough delivery. And I got sick. It was December she was born. So like having a cough and all those things, like just don't make recovery for C-section that pleasant. You said imagine mm-hmm. <laughs> as if it was happening to me. And first, the hardest thing was to imagine was that I had abs. But then, <laughs> <laughs> then I couldn't imagine anybody cutting through them. Yeah. Wow. And then throwing up, do you know what that was? I mean, because you said you were throwing up during your first birth, which was yes. vaginal also. Do you think that was self-hormonal or reaction to the drugs or... I think this time it was probably a reaction to the drugs because when the first time I think it was a, a function of like how much pain I was in with the labor because as soon as I got the epidural, that went stopped. Away. Oh. Um, but with the C-section, I think it was something in the anesthesia that didn't sit well with a me. reaction. Were you able to bring her home right away? We were, yeah. So, so that was like different. a whole other experience. Whole new which world. Whole new world. Oh, we should sing together. I know, right? <laughs> I'm sure all the listeners would really, really appreciate that. Yeah, I think I have, like, they give me a three-bar maximum, and then they shut it off. They're uh, like, yeah. Right. I have a paralyzed vocal cord, so oh. it's definitely not a good singer. And you sing better than me, so there's that. <laughs> definitely not. Um, all right, let's take a break, because you have a third baby. Yeah. And boy, do we have some talking to do. Would Don't you? go anywhere. We'll be right back. All right. Welcome back to the Informed Pregnancy and Parenting Podcast. We're talking about Lillian Kohanzad. And here's the thing. <laughs> so you had a premature vaginal birth with mm-hmm. your first baby mm-hmm. and then some NICU time, then a couple of miscarriages, then a just a hair premature yeah. C-section for breach with your second baby, but you did not like that recovery. And then mm-hmm. you got pregnant again. Yes. And uh, were you trying again, or was it just we like, were. hey, the stitch is out, let's go? <laughs> <laughs> no, we were. We were trying again. And um, and we have two little girls, and then this time we found out it was a little boy, so we were really excited about just having both and all the fun things. Were you nervous again about the early pregnancy? Yes, definitely. Both my husband and I like almost don't even talk about the pregnancy until we are past probably that first trimester. Mm-hmm. 13 mm-hmm. weeks. Yeah. And uh, how was the pregnancy for you, third one? Now you're juggling two little ones. Now juggling two little ones, yeah. 
The first part of it was okay. It was pretty good. At 26 weeks, I started feeling weird again. Did you get a stitch again? I did get the stitch again. So would you call it pelvic rest again? Yes. No bounce? Wonderful. Are you a bath person? I love baths. So we, like love. We took away a lot of things that give you pleasure. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You know, when I first got pregnant with my first daughter, I didn't talk about this, but I was scared to, like, have a baby because, you know, you're this person for all of your life, and then all of a sudden you're going to become this mother, right? Mm -hmm. So I was a little bit depressed during my first pregnancy. And I think by round three, it's like, okay, now I am a mother. Like, Mm -hmm. I wasn't a mother before, you know? The moment my daughter was born... A different version of me was born, and it oh, was that, 100%. that mother. You see yeah. the birth, two births at once, yes. the birth of the baby and the birth yes. of the mother. Except for just like a baby has to go through all of their growing, I think a mother also has to go through so much growing, and every day we're growing. But those first years as a mother for me were a little tough. Like I was this career girl, and like, you know, I was 33 when I got married, and so... But by now, my third pregnancy, it was like I was finally in a place where I was, like, enjoying being pregnant and really, like, coming into my own as a mom, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. You're born as, like, a new mother. So infant mother, so to speak. Yeah. And then by the third one, you're, like, it's your mother. I'm like, this is me, man. I'm a mom now, you know? And you grew into it. You like it. Yeah, I love it. it, which is so funny because I don't really like kids that much, like other people's kids. <laughs> but I love my kids, oh, you know? Well, that's great. It's yeah. better than the other way around. Right, exactly. You only True. liked other people's kids. But I didn't know. Like, I was one of those moms that was like, what if she's born and I, I'm just, like, not into her? You know what I mean? Yeah. But it never happens, I'm Th- sure. Thankfully. But, yeah. yeah. But the second she was born, I was So 26 weeks, you start feeling the funky stuff again. Yes. You have a stitch. Have a stitch. Got that at 18 weeks planned this time, not like emergent. Mm-hmm. And 26 weeks, feel the funky stuff. My husband's like, let's go to the hospital. Here we go again. By this time, we knew that I had what's called an incompetent cervix. Okay. That's an excellent term. Yes. Incompetent cervix. I had never heard of this before, but yeah. Well, I've talked about it before because I just, <laughs> I think it's unusual how many of the terms that we have for women's stuff are not the most flattering. Right. Like so. incompetent. and <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, your cervix is, incompetent cervix essentially means your cervix is opening up earlier than it should, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. maybe we can call it like a very eager to do its job cervix or <laughs> right. something Ambitious like that. Ambitious cervix. <laughs> Ambitious, yeah. Why do we have to call it incompetent? All right. So, but that's what it's called. And um, so that stitch was the prevention for the incompetent cervix, as well as the progesterone shots again. Both of them helping to keep the pregnancy going longer. Exactly. Um, So what did you find at 26 weeks? So we get to the hospital and they're like, yep, you're contracting and your contractions are one minute apart. So Not painful? Not painful. Okay. So at that point, you know, we know what comes with, like, a premature baby. And this is very early, 26 weeks. This is weeks. really, really, really early. Really, really early. Because so, at 28 weeks mm-hmm. is, like, the week of viability, right? If you make it past 28 weeks. Well, they say 24 weeks is the week of viability, but 28 is, like, your chances just go up so much higher to not have issues and to survive, but to not of, have issues Of survival, afterwards. right? There's, like, little doubt of survival after Correct. 28 weeks. But Correct. before that, it's still iffy it for is. even surviving yeah. and, of course, the issues. Exactly. So 26 is scary. So we're terrified. Like, my husband and I look at each other, and we are just 
you know, terrified. <laughs> so they do all the things that they did the first round. They give me the medication, the steroids for the baby's lungs, magnesium, which makes you feel really groggy and hot and just not a good feeling overall. I was in the hospital for one week. Mm. They were able to stop the contractions. And at that point, I was put on complete bed rest. Okay. No parties. No parties, yeah. <laughs> and it's tough with two toddlers at home to be, like, on complete bed rest, right? I'm trying to picture it. Yeah, it just it doesn't really happen. So, How do you um, not even pick them up and things? I mean... I have, thank goodness, we have, like, such an amazing village around us, which if you have, like, one of these types of pregnancies, it's not your typical pregnancy. Having mom and mother-in-law and, you know, a supportive spouse, thank God my husband's, like, amazing and just so helpful with everything along the way. So, and we have help. We have a housekeeper that was amazing. You know, it took all hands on deck. Village. Yeah. You had exactly. a village. Exactly. So I was on bed rest from 26 weeks on. Wow. Yeah. And then <laughs> how did things progress towards the end of the pregnancy? So before 26 weeks, he wasn't breech. But at the hospital, when I went in, they said, oh, um, he is breech. So I'm like, great. <laughs> so you were planning him. for a vaginal birth I was planning after for, cesarean? Yes. I wanted a vaginal birth after cesarean. I didn't want to go through that um, Another recovery. Another cesarean recovery. Yes. So when they said he was breached, I'm like, okay, well, let's just get past this hump and we'll figure out the birth. Once I can get past a point where I feel confident that the baby's not going to be like in NICU forever and let's focus on that first and then I'll see what to do. So once I got to about 33 weeks, I started thinking about maybe this time I should try to flip him. Mm-hmm. And I was still scared to do that because I didn't want him to come early and didn't want anything to make my body go into labor. But that was, I think at 34 weeks was when I reached out to you, or like 33 and a half. We had a chat. We had a chat. You're like, I got this breech baby, but if the wind blows north, my baby <laughs> will come out. So exactly. <laughs> good luck. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, so, yeah, and we did. We made a calculation, because usually the natural things that you do for breech, you can start early on. Mm-hmm. It's not like we're doing anything forceful to the baby. But mm-hmm. by the same token, you're pretty fragile. <laughs> yeah. You specifically right. you know, have more going on than the average person. Mm-hmm. So I think we made a calculation on when. Yeah, I think you said um, like 35 weeks Mm -hmm. or closest to 35 weeks. And we got to hang out a lot together, but your baby didn't turn. Baby didn't turn. But I think meeting you happened for a reason because prior to meeting you, I had no idea that vaginal breach birth was even a thing that you could do. So in one of our sessions, you said, you know, you have small babies, you know he has a small head because they had told me that in the ultrasound. Mm-hmm. It's like, you're a good candidate for a vaginal breech birth. And I was like, what's that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, if you've already had a vaginal birth, that's mm-hmm. one thing that makes you a better candidate. Obviously, having smaller babies is another thing. But also, like, your thing is, like, one of the concerns about delivering a breech baby vaginally is, will the baby come out right. or not? And your thing is, like, can we keep the baby in? Right. <laughs> You're, like, the opposite of the typical exactly. person. So did you have conversations with your doctor about manually turning the baby? The medical we did. Vision? And we had um, – so I had my sessions with you, and I was hoping to kind of create some space for the baby to turn there. And then I had an ECV scheduled. 
at 37 in a few days. But you had never previously made it to 37. I had never previously made it. And they wouldn't do it earlier because protocol is that you don't really do it till 37. Exactly. So. Yeah. Then what happened? So, dun, dun, dun. I love, this is the only episode we have with sound effects. (laughs) (laughs) We, um... At 37 weeks, exactly. Wow. The most pregnant you had ever been. The most pregnant I had ever been. Very exciting. I had just eaten a tuna salad. Ooh, tuna. I know. And with my puking, that was just not a good choice. (laughs) Peppermint candy. (laughs) But I had no idea. (laughs) And I lay down on the bed, actually next to my husband. It was about 5 p.m. in the afternoon. And I said, babe... Something feels different today. Like, I think my body's getting ready to have the baby. And he's like, like now? <laughs> you know? And I was like, no, no, not now. But I think maybe like in the next week it'll happen. And literally like a second later, I felt kind of like a pop and an immediate really bad contraction. Ooh. And so I looked at him and I was like, I'm having a really bad contraction. We have to get in the car right now. <sighs> and I went to the bathroom And sure enough, my water had broken. Oh, wow. So, of course, we don't have anyone to watch the kids. It's, like, Sunday afternoon. Oh, my. And so I'm like, I'll Uber to the hospital. You meet me there. Because, like, my babies come so fast that I just needed to get there. But miraculously, we found someone that was, like, five minutes away. To watch your kids? To watch the kids. She came over. And um, we both took an Uber, which I don't even understand. Together? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) why we're 10 blocks from the hospital i don't know no i think we just weren't thinking straight and so this poor uber driver like my water is breaking all over his backseat (laughs) and my husband's like come on you know she's in labor and i'm like ah ah," from the contraction (laughs) and we get pulled over what yes like was he speeding yeah he was speeding so i'm talking to my mfm on the cell phone i see that there's a cop behind us i'm like yelling out the window like I'm in labor. <laughs> um, and anyway, the cop's like, okay, I'll follow you to the hospital, which he follow did. Follow you to the hospital? Yeah, I'm like, can you clear the way? Like, well, go in front, yeah. Yeah, but um, he followed us. We were almost there. He followed us, and then we got out, and we were just like, I'm so sorry to the Uber driver. Um, you got a ticket? I don't know. We were like, please don't give him a ticket. And <laughs> my husband was like, text me. I'll take care of it. You know, I'm so sorry. If he does, but, like, I was like, I got to go. Like, I got to go into the Come on. They got to understand. Maybe the speeding ticket was for your baby. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, clearly I was a woman that was in very... Needing to get to the hospital quickly. And this happened at, like, 5. By now it's, like, 5.20. So not a lot of time has passed, but I am definitely... My contractions are one on top of the other again. Painful? Very painful. Oh, so different than... Very, very painful. Um, they get me onto the bed Mm -hmm. and I'm like, I have to go to the bathroom. And they're like, like, no, no, no. Poop go to the bathroom? Yeah. Okay. They're like, no, 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 you know, because I have the cerclosion and they want to get that out before I can get this baby out. And you're breech. And I'm breech. So they're waiting for my doctor to come to the hospital and they're going to try to prep me for C-section and take me into the OR. Which is what I imagine you would expect because yes. you hadn't had a chance to try to turn the baby out. Yes, exactly. So I am just in a ton of pain at this point. I'm really wishing that I had done some sort of labor preparation because mm-hmm. I was just very out of control, like flailing and like screaming and throwing up and like it's your just thing. yeah, it's my thing. It's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> 
if you're going to have a thing, I recommend not, not being choosing vomit. that yeah. thing. Yeah. There's so many things to pick from. I was crying like, oh, my baby's going to just smell tuna salad <laughs> on me. <laughs> He's not going to like it. <laughs> um, the nurses were amazing. Uh, nurses are just like God sent from heaven. But oh, um, That's great. Yeah. So they take me into the OR. My doctor gets there. She comes over and like pats me on the head while I'm like wiping my face and like just trying not to die. <laughs> and she's like, Lillian, you're at nine and a half centimeters. Oh, wow. I can see his butt. Do you want to try to do this vaginally? And I said, yes, absolutely. I mean, I didn't even know that that was a thing until I talked to you in the office, but I was like, yes, 100%. So she said, okay. She said the biggest concern is head entrapment, but we know his measurements and we can do this. She was very confident and it made me confident. Had you guys ever talked about doing it before? No way. She just brought it up. She didn't even know that you had like a thought about it. Not even wow. a little bit. No. That's pretty cool. My ECV was like a few days later, later. scheduled. Yeah. yeah. So she was phenomenal in that sense. And so I was already in the operating room. Still hadn't gotten my like glorious epidural. That was my number one thing on my birth plan, but finally got it at the nine and a half centimeter mark. Just in time That's to push time. again. That's yeah. your thing. Just... <laughs> so this time the pushing took an hour. Wow. I wonder why. Do you think because it was breach? Um, I think probably because I was a psycho and was yelling at the anesthesiologist that I wasn't completely numb on one side. I was like, please keep numbing me. This is not the almost made out with the Indian woman. No. Different woman. Different. Huh. Not as, you know, with it. But she she <laughs> probably gave me a little bit more. Also because, you know, they weren't sure exactly what dose to give me because I was like C-section and then all of a sudden a second later right, not C-section. Yeah. So I was pretty numb. Plus it's a butt coming out instead of a head. I think it's just like smushier and it kept going <laughs> back in. They asked me if I wanted a mirror and I said no. You didn't want to see it? No, I'm not like, you know, naturally, I don't know, I was freaked out. But at the end of it, I was like, I need to see what's going on because I need to be able to push this little guy out. So I did. I took the sheet off. I didn't even need a mirror because my legs were like. You could just see. Yeah, I could could just see everything. And he. he Was it cool to see? It was so cool. (gasps) Like, if I could go back, I would have full-blown video and mirror of all my kids' births. But I didn't didn't know how cool that was going to be to see. Did you take pictures in video or there was nothing? Um, We didn't take video. We took some pictures, but not Mm. of, like, him actually coming coming out. out. Uh Yeah. So So does that mean you have to have a fourth? Probably. Hmm. Yeah. Who knows how that birth will be. For the film credit. No, (laughs) you know what? Nobody could even begin to predict. No one could even begin to predict. I mean, you're just a warrior for even, like, going into it again and again. You know what's interesting is I didn't even know that that was, like, such a weird thing, this vaginal breech birth. But I look around the OR. There's, like, 30 people in the OR. I'm like, what are all these people doing here? (laughs) They wanted to see. They wanted to see. And then my nurse was like, this is my only one I've ever seen in seven years of me being a labor and delivery nurse. Wow. So, well, it doesn't happen every day, and that's an understatement. It's just becoming more and more rare. And the problem really is that sometimes you have a person who's an excellent candidate for it. Mm-hmm. Not always, sometimes you're not. Mm-hmm. Um, but as fewer and fewer practitioners have the confidence and skill to do it, the option will disappear, even though you might be a better candidate for it. Yes. And I think, you know, sadly, the only reason why. I was able to have that birth is because my doctor is a high-risk 
doctor. Like, she wasn't just an OB. She's an MFM. She, I asked for her specifically this time to do my C-section because mm-hmm. I wanted this hospital. And she was just confident and cool about it. And I asked her later, like, what's up? You do these reach births all the time, you know? And she's like, no, but when I was a resident, I would really seek them out. I've just always been really interested in it. So thankfully, I became a good <laughs> good and candidate for her. being in the right place at the right time. Yeah. I mean, by my calculations, your next baby should make it to 38 weeks anyway. Right. <laughs> it's progressively <laughs> so, getting better. Yeah, I wonder if the breach happens. We don't know, but I wonder if the breach happens um, also because you're, the geometry of your uterus is a little yeah. different than the textbook, and it seems to be geometry that kind of guides them into the orientation that they get mm-hmm. into. So mm-hmm. you are very cool. And, <laughs> thank you. Um, so are you. Thank you. It's nice to share your stories. So unique and interesting. I mean, I don't know anybody who's had, I know one person who's had the, let's see, vaginal birth, then C section, then vaginal birth after C section, mm-hmm. but it wasn't a breech baby. So. <laughs> you know, I have some kind of uh, record going here. Yeah. It's <clears throat> been definitely an interesting ride. Yeah, and uh, and we recorded our first uh, couple of bars of music together. So. Exactly, we're on a we're on a roll. What a night! <laughs> oh, what a um, night! <laughs> here we go again. <laughs> uh, and speaking of nights, uh, you spend many nights working on a book. I do. And what's your book going to be about? It's a memoir, and it's our love story. My husband and I. I wanted to write it out for my daughters. I think it's a very unique and interesting story. This is before all of this, this unique is and interesting all of this, pregnancy. Yeah. And I mentioned that I didn't get married until I was 33, and I met my husband at 24. Oh. Um, but we had a really interesting story in between those years. And also, I converted to Judaism during that time. So I want my kids to know and understand why we made the choices that we made. And it's a cool story that I want to document for. Well, you got my for curiosity. On all of that. I didn't know you converted in. Welcome to the I tribe. I did. Thank you. Thank you. I love it. <laughs> well, we're happy to have you. Thank you. We need cool people. Yeah. Where can we find you online? Instagram is probably the easiest, and it's at Lil Cohenzad. It's L-I-L-L-C-O-H-A-N-Z-A-D. It almost sounds like a rapper name. Yeah. Lil. Lil. Lil Cohenzad. Lil Cohenzad. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Amazing. Uh, well, I'm going to be looking around for your book. I know Thank it's going you. to take a minute, but I'm very yeah. curious. Thank you. You're a great storyteller. <laughs> thanks so much. At home, thanks for listening. If you would like more of our latest media about pregnancy, postpartum, and parenting, check us out on Instagram at Dr. Berlin. It's at D-O-C-T-O-R-B-E-R-L-I-N.